Hey there, and welcome to Matamo, a podcast where we explore with you and our guests travel topics that push the boundaries and celebration of the human experience. Today, I'm joined again by our, our uh, my co-host, Greg Traverso, the, the founder of Matamo, uh, a travel company that, that offers a number of excursions across Africa. And today, it's just Greg and I. We're going to have a conversation about one specific moment during, uh, during one of Greg's transformational trips. This is probably not going to happen <laughs> with people traveling with Matamo. I, I, I can't guarantee that, but... Uh, but yeah, th- th- this is <laughs> so. This is the the early '90s. I'm going to paint the picture for you, and then I'm going to kind of say, "Hey, Greg, yeah, how did you get out of this?" Right. So it's early '90s. Greg is on the border of Uganda and what was then Zaire, which is now the Democratic Republic of Congo. And for some context, there's 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 some tension. There's there's strife between the border here. And uh, as an example, the night before there had been a grenade launched uh, and sadly five people had had, had been killed uh, right around the border and so so Greg is at this moment in his travel where he's deciding whether or not to to cross that border into Zaire and continue on his trek and he runs into some adversity I'll say so Greg Greg take it from there what what happens next well yes I had heard you know I had heard the explosion I had heard what happened and um, had to leave this the small town in Uganda, uh, through uh, no man's land, on my way to the Zairean border, um, and so I walked. It was a 1.5 kilometers down this dirt road, and I had my belongings, which was my day pack and my camera, uh, but also a, a bag full of things to trade along the Congo. When I got deeper inside, money kind of runs out as a as a source, and and so you trade with items. So I was ready to do some bartering in a different way. And I'm walking along with this heavy bag full of tradable items I had picked up. And uh, a guy comes up to me and he, he's on his bicycle. And uh, he's a nice, nice young man. His, his name was Patrick. And he didn't ask for anything. He said, hey, you want me to help you carry your, your bag on the back of his bike? And I said, sure. And, you know, I'm, I'm by myself, obviously. And, and a lot on my mind, I'm kind of going to enter into the Congo uh, to the border post. So we walked for this 1.5 miles. We talked. He spoke French. I didn't speak too much, but was able to communicate that whole entire time. And I get to the border and uh, say goodbye to Patrick. And uh, I I end up there realizing it was a military checkpoint. Uh, The guidebook didn't really say that. And this was a very rare place for a traveler to travel through, but it it was what worked at the time. And I ended up that border post not being able to find a ride. Uh, the border uh, the border agent, the guy there, uh, he wasn't too friendly at first, but he warmed up to me and vice versa. And I actually ended up giving him my uh, Adventures of Huckleberry Finn book that I had been reading. And he was starting to, you know, really like, try to look after me a little bit. And he finally found me a ride. So it was a, uh, a maroon Toyota uh, beat up. And I got in on the back of that thing. And I was ready to, for the first time, head into Zaire on my way across to cross the continent. It was the kind of first moment of that leg of the journey. Well, the vehicle turns around and goes back into Uganda. So now I'm actually illegal back in Uganda because I'd already had my passport stamped. And they go to a market and they pick up a load of bananas. And there's so much, so many bananas piling in that I finally ended up in the cab of the truck. Uh, and it turned around about that time. The 
sun was starting to go down and it was a beautiful night and things were just glowing with that equatorial, you know, kind of light shining. But I was uh, a little uneasy. But still, we're cruising with uh, lots of people heaped on the back of the truck. I was lucky to be in the cab. And as we were driving along about, I don't know, halfway back down that 1.5 mile uh, dirt road, all of a sudden out of the bush drop, uh, draw two uh, soldiers in full camos with AK-47s, and they come flying out. And I'm saying, say dangerous, say dangerous, say dangerous. And and uh, the, the the driver was going, we 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 say dangerous. Is it dangerous? Is it dangerous? He's yes 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 yes. So uh, they come right to my window. They come around. They see they see me. The guy sees me on my side, and I'm like, you know, I can't even tell you how scared I was. And my window was down at the time, and I look, and he looks at me, and it was Patrick. And I said, Patrick, and it's just, Greg, you know, and he was like, Greg, are. And I get out of the car, and we talk. Like we're long-lost friends, he, he had just helped me bring my stuff down that road in civilian clothes, and he had changed into his military uh, fatigues. Uh, have no idea I was in the truck, right, coming back up the road, and he let everybody go. They let everybody go. What was happening was the Zairean troops had not been paid for two years, so they just stick up the local civilians for some money, and I happened to be in that truck. So we got off, and I actually gained a lot of clout in that vehicle. Um, but we got back to the border, and it was closed. It was time. It was by that time almost dark, and the border agent there took a took me, and he said, look, uh, you can't – I mean – we need to get you a safe place to stay. Well, there was no hotels or no anything like that. It was a military checkpoint. There was nothing but men, young young men, and salt fatigues and and campfires around. And I was uh, not knowing where I was going to stay. But he found me this little bungalow, this little hut, um, and I don't know what I paid, probably a dollar or something. And uh, I ended up in there that night. There was a little bed. There was a nail on the wall for the lock. And there were rats, and it was dirty, you know. And I was not going to sleep that night. Interestingly, my flashlight broke that night. Uh, my watch had already stopped working, uh, and I'm in this little room, and it's dark. And I'm like, okay, I'm just going to sit up all night. Well, I tried that for a long time. I had candles going, and then about midnight, somewhere around there, I hear a knock on the door on my little wooden. Uh, door and I I opened it up and uh, there's like a glow uh, from the campfires and so forth and it was these two young guys probably around 16 years old and fatigues with two little with their little machine guns and uh, they were drunk and they were asking me for money and in French and in, in, uh, in Swahili or French kind of a combination and I I just at that moment it was actually a, a turning point for me I just I just kicked him out. I just said, no, this isn't happening. You know, and at that point, that confidence of just having traveled all the way up from, Af you know, all the way from Zimbabwe over by myself for most of the trip and just kind of knowing what to do, just instinctively, I threw him out and closed the door and went to sleep. So, and then that led to, you know, the next morning getting back on the truck and driving through. And there were a series of uh, checkpoints, uh, military checkpoints that um, we got through and they would come up and ask me uh, for things. And I just, I just basically said no and just uh, used uh, the, you know, just confidence to say, look, you know, I'm traveling through and 
as an American, uh, you know, I guess that got me some clout. Uh, but it was uh, it was a little scary, especially you know, getting guys jumping out of the bush with the machine guns, and it was just wild to happen to know the guy. And uh, and then that that night uh, was a uh, was a, a long one. Um, and then the military checkpoints started to run out, and as I got deeper into the Congo, and eventually on the river. I did have one incident where I had uh, the military, a couple guys in a uh, canoe. Actually, uh, uh, I don't know what his his position was, his status, but they they actually pulled me over and uh, they didn't pull the guns on me, but they asked me to go through my stuff. I don't know what they were looking for, uh, but at that point, there was you know we ended up I ended up buying them lunch. We had a uh, a large captain fish they're called and with some villagers we ate there on the side of the beach and, and in the end this this colonel or whatever he was uh said what he wanted from me was national geographics mm-hmm. magazines and so we had this conversation and i promised him i would send him national geographics which when i got home to california months later i ended up putting all my old you know a case of our bunch of National Geographic and boxed them up and sent them to this outpost of an address he gave me somewhere in the Congo. And God knows if it ever arrived, but I did make good on my word. <laughs> That's incredible. A, a dangerous moment that you were able to work your way out, Greg, and and end up becoming a kind of hero with your National Geographic stories. That's that's you know. It, I kind of want to know the end of that. Do you think he? Do you think he got him? What do you? What do you think the chances are? Well, let me tell you. Yeah, across this part of uh, this Congo, which is, you know, the third largest in Africa, it's uh-huh. the, the 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 Zaire Democratic Republic of Congo. It's about the size of the United States uh, west of the of the of the um, Rockies. Mm-hmm. It's a huge country, and crossing it, um, you know. There would be little towns on, on occasion, but there was no post. There was no stamps in the post office. There would be people working there. There would be banks, but there was no money. Uh, you know, so the chances of this arriving, I would say, are pretty high. It probably cost him something, but being a military officer, he probably had some clout. Uh, my guess is it, it, it made it there. That, that's my feeling, because in Africa, despite a lot of issues, Things work in a ways that you wouldn't believe sometimes. I'd like to think that he said that he was able to read the National Geographic and smiling and being like, oh, that guy, Greg, he really followed through on his word. <laughs> That's so cool. <laughs> um, yeah, so this is great. Next time we're going to, we'll, we'll continue going through some more of these incredible stories behind the scenes and Greg's crossing of, of the Congo. And stay tuned. That's going to be a lot of fun. But in the meantime, if you're if you're if you're thinking about uh, just wanting to learn more about about travel to Africa, Greg is the the founder and and head of Matamo. It's a travel company. It's M E T A M O Matamo dot travel. If you want to see something online, learn more about the journeys that he organizes. Uh, that he's used his decades of experience traveling across the continent to really put together some incredible excursions. And you can also just email hello at matamo.travel and somebody will, will answer any questions that you have. Greg, as always, it was a pleasure and looking forward to continuing to share with our audience some of these behind the scenes stories about crossing the Congo. Thanks, Bob.